The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Hello, I'm Ken Crowther and this is the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this podcast on the BBC Sounds app. This week, Tom Cole is my special guest, taking your calls on everything from mulberries, strawberries and tomatoes. We've also got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden, plus our plant of the week. We go straight to your calls, and this week we start with Peter in Clacton. Good morning, gentlemen. Start, what's your first uh, first uh, problem? Uh, well, one, I had, we saw a lot of onions in the bottom of the garden in a truck based um, plot and what happened 38 out of the 50 all bolted is this last year this year just now they bolted, year. Already. They yeah. bolted already that it's it's weather so that the beetroot as well weather and water yeah, it's all it's stress related. So it's usually weather. It's weather which is going to be either too much water, not enough water, or uh, um, sort of erratic temper- temperatures. And, and that's what we've had. Yeah, and so beetroot can respond really quickly to do that. Onion um, a bit longer. There is a variety called Boltardi, which is uh, pretty. That's pretty good though. I oh, know, but it can. Um, and the onions, you want to go for things like um, Sturon, Red Baron, Shakespeare. Those are all bolt resistant they're hardier types but that might Tom, be helpful if, but let's be honest even those if you give them too much stress they will they will go to seed won't they? Um, not not as much, much as the other ones and no. what you can do is on the ones that have bolted you could you Nip need to c- crack off the uh, flower head really have you done that at all peter i have yes a ton of done done all of that yeah and it's the stalks are about two foot high Yes, they will be. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, you know, gardening is weather-related and we have to put up with what we get thrown at us, don't we? It's not too late to do Right, well, there's one other question I want to ask you. You must have a yeah, tell definitely not weed, yeah? What? No, hang on. Tom was just saying it's not too late to plant, uh, sow some more beetroot and definitely get some more onions in. Yeah. Right, deal. We will do that. What was your other question then, Peter? Uh... Japanese knotweed over the fence of the bottom of my garden. It's it's alive with it. Is there any legal way we can do anything about it? Is it in somebody else's property that you know of? It's yes, next door. Oh, it is next door garden. You can only deal with it as it arises in your garden, can't you, Tom? Yeah, you can. You can. You can is it rec- notifiable? Well, still? it is actually. You've got to let your council know. Um, you, you need to. Um, it's about <coughs> curbing its spread as much as anything else. All you can do is recommend to your next door neighbours that they. Um, try and curb it and control it um it needs to be i mean for the best advice talk to your local council on that one really they'll have slightly different ways in which you can actually get rid of it there are actually some chemicals which give a little bit of a control glyphosate so glyphosate glyphosate based products um and they're trying things out like injecting into the stem or using gel based products you wipe all over the stem all over the growing point um in the hope that it actually just suppresses its further uh, growth really but what you need to do is definitely stop it as it comes through the fence you need to treat it to stop it spreading into your garden and i think could you notify the council mm. then you could so he could if talk to the neighbor uh, peter mm. are you friendly with the neighbor um well <laughs> not not really <laughs> oh because i was going to say if you're friendly with the neighbor you could offer to go around and treat it yourself to get rid of it you know i mean that's one mm-hmm. way of doing yeah. it if not definitely can talk to the council and see what they have to say and we'd be interested to hear what they say peter i'll ring you back and let you know what they say thank you very much indeed peter that's a good one that was be an interesting follow-up uh let's talk to fred in herringate we're talking broad beans aren't we what's happened to them fred what it, what it is is that they're, um, they're up about three foot high now, three foot six. Do I pinch the tops out? Oh, you can do. Yes, you can do. <clears throat> what varieties have you got? Oh, I couldn't tell you the varieties. They're broad they're, beans. They're in full bloom. <laughs> they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah, I mean, um, you you can pinch out. Um, you might talk, that might also help with because I've seen black bean aphid actually is around already. Um, so I don't know if you've got you haven't got that on the tips of the plant, have you at all? No. Uh, 
So you thought, that's good, that's lucky. But you can actually, you can pinch at the tops and that will create some branching lower down, potentially more, more fruit being produced. So that'll be good for them. If they do get quite tall, it might be worth actually putting some supports around them just to keep them from oh, collapsing. Yes, oh, yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, my daughter did. She put string right round there, you know, so they keep them up nice and straight. Good, because we've had some really harsh downpours over the last yeah, few years. Have. So without that support, they would have been sort of brought to the ground a bit more. Yeah, and there's another thing. Can I sow red peppers now? Uh, you can, actually, yes. Um, yeah. It's a little bit late in the day, but... The fact, on the, the windowsill, you can get them going? You can. You can actually sew them in a, in a pot, sort of very, very finely sew them. So you've got around about a centimetre or so between each seed. So you, you can place those seeds on the seed tray, put them onto your windowsill, uh, maybe put a clear polythene bag around the whole thing just to keep a little bit more uniform temperature, uh, and they will actually start to germinate. Once they're about an inch or so high, then prick them out into into nine centimetre pots, any sort of multi-purpose compost, and then grow them on. And when they get to about three or four inches I pinch out the tops of those and it, they'll branch out and you'll get the fruit much later into late very very late summer probably more likely to be autumn. Best of luck with those Fred and uh, we look forward to a basket of broad beans. Uh, Pam from Morden um, what have you got growing Pam in your garden in Morden is it in the garden or is it in the house? No it's neither it's in my neighbour's garden. In your neighbour's garden right? In Spain it grows oh, in Spain. Now, hang wall. on. Hang on. We're talking about something that grows in Spain. Yes, but it's, it grows in the UK as well, but it's in, as a house plant. As a house plant. And you it look- and I have spoken about this before because you gave me some instructions. It's a Stephanotis seed pod, and they come very few and far between. And my neighbour was away, and I noticed this one on her, so I very... Um, Took it, took it off. You sure it's a stephanotis? Because stephanotis is an indoor plant, indoor. That's what indoors she's... in the UK. In the oh, sorry, <clears throat> indoor, outdoor. Right. So you're growing it, are you? Um, I want to know what to do with it. It's, it's not quite ripe. I, I found the remains of one that was ripe. Right. And it swept all the, the debris up because it got the seeds in. Yeah. So I've got a, a, an envelope with dried seeds in, Brilliant. which I've actually put in the refrigerator for a fortnight to let them think they've been overwintered. And um, now I, I was wondering whether if you would like to have this seed pod and try and grow it yourself, because when I tried last time, I got it. I got some lovely, strong little plants, and then I went and overwatered them. Oh dear! Oh dear! Oh dear! Yeah curtains to them well one of us one of the experts here i'm sure will be pleased to grow them on and have a look so if you pop them in the post to us we'd be very pleased to see them yeah well i don't know if it's strong enough to go in the poster even yeah you won't hurt seeds seeds won't hurt in the post at all seeds i was thinking of the seed pod no it's all right that's that'll be fine fine yeah You just send it along to P.O. Box 765 Chelmsford CM29XP. You can get those sort of, is it like a jiffy bag? Yeah. <clears throat> Put yeah. It, pop it into one of those. Yeah, and, um, one, it'll of actually, one of us can have a go, can't we? get through the post really easily. Yeah. So. Very is exciting. That, yeah. And how, is that uh, your question then, Pam? That is. What, what, what to do with it? What, what to, to do, do with it? With the seed pod. Well, send it along to us and we'll have a go at growing it. If you don't want to do it yourself, Pam. What was your uh, postal address again, please? Uh, P.O. Box 765, and that's Chelmsford. Yes, Chelmsford, thank you. CM2. CM2. 9XB. I hope this doesn't give you a, a lot of unwanted things coming through. No. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you, Super. Pam. That's very <clears throat> nice to hear from you. It's, one of us can have a go at that, can't we, Tom? It's all good fun. Yeah, Linda in Hadley. Hi, Linda. Oh, good morning. <laughs> uh, yes, I've got a red robin. I planted it about three years ago, and it's growing lovely. It's probably about six foot tall, but it's okay. growing sort of like spindly. And I wanted it to be more bushy. <laughs> well, you do know, do you know what you have to do? You have to get out there with your secateurs, don't you, Tom? Uh, what do you think? 
absolutely but. <laughs> What's the but? I think it's a little bit cold, actually, still, to, for, for some of those plants. I would definitely do it this month, but i do it a little bit later on. Give it a couple more weeks. Yeah. And then you say it's six foot? Yes. So if you bring it, if you just take a couple of foot off it, actually, yes. um, and always cut to an outward-facing leaf on those evergreens, and you'll hopefully get some shooting at that point, but you also get some shooting lower down, so it will hopefully become more bushy. All right, take about two foot off of it. I would, yeah. Later on this month. Do it later on this month. It's only because, I mean, it's a hardy plant, but we've had some real drops in temperature overnight, and sometimes when you cut something, it'll shoot into growth, and then we have this cold weather, and it all goes brown and horrible. It's time for Plant of the Week, and this week, peony, or peony, depends on how you want to say it. Um, originates from sort of Asia, Northern Europe, and even North America. Now, there's a lot of argument about how many species there are. They vary from 25 to 40, but there's definitely 33 known species. They flower late spring to early summer. Um, what is it? Well, it's a herbaceous perennial. Um, they're sort of whites, pinks, reds, bisexual flowers, and generally single flower at the end of the stem. But sometimes they break from the side. But it's, it's a rarity. And in fact, it's rare because somebody rang in to BBC Essex just last week and said, is it unusual for my peony to have produced three blooms on one stem? Well, yes, it is rare. It is indeed. So now you had a rarity. Flowers close at night slightly. They've got three to seven sepals and five to eight petals. And thus, they also produce a fruit, which when the uh, seed pod opens, they've got several large fleshy seeds inside. The Chinese have used it for flavouring for many years, particularly through the 18th and 20th century. And in fact, it moved to Japan as a flavouring as well at about the same time. Arrived in Europe, 15, in UK, particularly in the 15th century, most brood, breeding work is carried out in the UK and France. Um, and in fact, that includes work on tree peonies. And of course, a lot of the crossing between peony herbaceous and peony tree peonies has allowed for that as well. Uh, it's very popular cut flower in the Netherlands, you wouldn't believe how many cut flowers of peony are produced in a year. Approximately 50 million. And 20 million of those are Sarah Bernard. How's it propagated? Well, generally by root division, sometimes from seed and also root grafting. So now there's several ways that you can reproduce your peony. Uh, they're fairly drought tolerant. They do like a bit of an alkaline soil, uh, but must be good drainage. And the next thing they like, of course, is full sun. So go on. Peonies are looking good at the moment. Oh, and one thing to remember, when you plant them, don't bury the crown. They don't like the crown being buried. Peony, go and get one today. We're going to go straight back to the phones now. And we will be talking to uh, Paxo in Greys. Hello there. Uh, hello, uh, Ken, Tom. What plants, uh, are we not, what plants are we talking about today? And uh, lilies, but uh, I'm not an avid gardener. I don't know too much about it, except for I look look after my little herb patch. Long you enjoy, as long as you enjoy it, that's what matters. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, to the point, and you'll find it very easy. Um, I've got a fabulous choicer, which has been in for about 23 years. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I have cut it haphazardly, and it's in, it's in a nice spherical shape. Uh, and the, the blossom on it this year has been the best ever. The smell coming out in the morning is absolutely stunning. Um, but there must be a time when it's best to uh, trim them back, prune them back. I'd like to know what that time is and how hard should I cut it. Well, <clears throat> choice it can take hard pruning. Um, because some people actually grow it more for that tighter, rounded leaf as a smaller plant. But as a flowering plant, that's why I'd grow it. And you're right, it's a very fragrant plant. Also, it's very bee-friendly as well. Um, yes, it is. Uh, it sort of has flushes of flowers all through the growing season. 
This is probably one of the major flushes of flowers at this time mm. of the year. And what I would do is, once there's a bit of a lull in it flowering, so the flowers will fade and it will go into some new growth, you could then prune it. So I think, what we're talking about, May, I don't think you'll be pruning it until at least June, June time. time. And, right. you know, you can be... You can be quite hard on it but the thing is you don't want to totally lose the structure of the plant so how big are they at the moment oh it's about six foot round so if you want to take about a foot couldn't you well foot or two foot Foot or two foot off it you could right and again cut always to on these evergreens sort of an outward outward facing cluster of shoots don't leave bare stems because sometimes they can just die back okay and you had another question on lilies, did you? Yeah, um, I, these are uh, I got two pots of them. They were given to me as a, a gift all years ago now, about six, seven years, I suppose. Um, and a very, very deep, lustrous crimson. Absolutely stunning to look at. Uh, I thought two, that two years ago that I'd lost them forever because they were um, dem- decimated by little black slugs about half an inch to three quarters of an inch long. Um, so I've virtually given up. Um, but last year they came through lovely and it seems they've made a hell of a lot. And I'd like to know, uh, bearing in mind how long they've been in the compost in the pots for about six, seven years, um, when is the best time to split them? Uh, and should the compost be renewed and replanted right. at what depth? Okay, not now. Can't do it now. Can no, you? let them no. let them all flower, let them all die down, and right. then what you can do is take the bulb out of the ground, or, or the bulbs out, the out of the pot, and literally either if they're very congested, just split them into quarters or thirds. That is a quarter with some bulbs in a quarter of another, and so on and so forth. And then you you can replicate the plant that way. And if you wanted to even go more than that, you can take off with lily bulbs. You can take off the scale leaves, which are very fleshy leaves on the bulb. And your bulb, your plant might also have bulblets, sorry, bulbils, which occur on the stems. You can twist those off as well. Um, so wait till the whole lot dies down, and then do. Right. Division. It's division you want to go for. Is that all right for you, well, Pecto? Should be about autumn time, should it? Um, it, it be I think it'll be before them summer. because if they're early flowering, you'd probably put a month for them to die right down and then um, pot them up into a multi purpose type compost. Okay, Pecto? Right, yeah, that's, that's brilliant. That's a great show. I don't I say I'm not a gardener. Um, but I listen to you religiously. <laughs> Good, that's lovely. Good to hear. Now uh, let's move on from Greys and we go to, well, we're going to go to Burnham. There's a change, isn't it? Burnham on Crouch. Howard. Good morning, Ken. Hi. Uh, yes, the Costa del Sol, Ray Clarkshire. Uh, my question is an avocado plant that I grew from seed. It's in its third year and... Uh, I, I didn't think I was going to get it through the winter because towards the end of uh, last year, uh, the leaves started to go brown, first of all on the edges, and then that gradually got worse, and then leaves dropped off. So as I'm looking at it now, it stands about three foot tall. There's healthy stuff right at the top. There's some healthy-looking green stuff, uh, little uh, uh, bits that are growing up the main stem, about to branch out, but the leaves on it are... Uh, brown, lots of them, and uh, lots have dropped off. Where, so where I wonder, you... is this likely to be uh, that I haven't right. fed it or right. temperature? Where, where, is, where is this growing, Howard? Well, I've just bought it from the cold greenhouse as it's uh, not been too bad and it's standing on a table at the moment, but it was just the same when it was in the greenhouse. Right, so it's in, the co- it's in a cold greenhouse and it's been in a cold greenhouse all winter, yeah? Yes. Right. It might have been too cold for it because it is a Mediterranean plant, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. But uh, I, yes, it they is. They can't. They'll survive. Yeah, it's, in a cold greenhouse, it, but it's weather related, then, isn't it? Yeah, and it's, it's also linked to if, whether you've uh, overwatered it or underwatered it. Want to be dry well. through winter, don't they? Um, they do want to be as, well, slightly dry, not too dry. Um, and where you were saying it's browning on the leaf margins, that could be a nutritional thing anyway. But if the whole leaf is going brown, then I think actually it's a combination of maybe some weather issues in terms of it's a bit cold uh, and possibly a bit too 
possibly a bit too wet. Um, I would certainly... Um, bit of liquid feed now? Uh, well, I would liquid feed, something like a... a Maxi-crop? Yeah, maxi uh, uh, with, uh, with Something like both. a sequestrin-based feed would be good for um, avocado. And where it's quite tall, you could actually bring the plant down, but I'd only bring it down to where there's a living uh, shoot. Now, that might actually cause some growth lower down, so it might make the plant a little bit more bushy. And just check the pot size. If it's very pot-bound, it needs to go into the next pot size up. Uh, oh. and, you, and use use something like a, a um, John Innes number three uh, potting compost. Okay, Howard? Yeah, that's, that's very helpful because uh, it's in a pot that's quite deep, but not all that wide round. It's only probably about seven inches round. Yeah, but, but it, it needs to be a bigger pot, really. It needs to be in a bigger pot. So they are. They will be having avocado. No, they're difficult to get to uh, see. Lovely plant. They actually there's tree forms down in uh, Dartmouth and Kingswear. Yeah, because it's warmer. Mm. Then Dennis in Wickford. Hi, Dennis. Roses. Are we talking? Yes. Uh, good morning. Uh, you may recall I spoke briefly with you in February when I had the landscaping done in my garden and and and, and the guys uh, uprooted and threw away the um, my, a precious rose bush. Which, oh uh, yes. Yes. Uh, yes. You advised me um, to put it in the pot, keep it well watered. Yep. I'm pleased to say it's doing well. Excellent. But now I need to move a step forward and see what the next action is I should do. It's in the pot, and from the root ball, in actual fact, the, the old, it was a 15-year-old rose. And yep. It's about six inches in diameter, the... The, the old stump with, with, with right. the shoot coming up with about two inches diameter. I thought that was dead, but there's new shoots coming out of that. Okay. I want to get rid of the of the stump. Um, there's some shoots coming out the side. And also I'd like to know when to um, put right. it back down in the garden. and Tom, and when, you, on Tom, when the, could you plant it up? And I wouldn't disturb any of that base or old growth at this moment i'd let it get established again wouldn't you i think if only just sort of um lifted it, probably leave it for this season would you leave it in its pot or would you plant it now no i'd probably leave it in the pot and let it sort of get on with it really until the autumn and then maybe plant it out in the autumn or better still get it through the winter period and I plant would. it next spring um and plant it um in a good well-lit position so that you get the best out of the plant and i would also give it a good boost of fertilizer they're quite hungry plants Roses. Something like top rose would be quite good. March onwards uh, would be a good time to do that. Uh, this The stump with the growth at the base... I think you mean lots of dead and old pieces of growth, so don't you, anything, Dennis? So anything like that, dead and diseased or damaged... Try and cut do them out. out. Cut out now. Yeah, you could... That's the point I was coming to. The, the, the stump, uh, it, it's actually got the... Uh, uh, um, a, a trunk of about two inches diameter. Yeah. I thought it was dead, and I was about to cut it off, and I went there to look at it the other day, and out the side of it, near the top, there's a, a fresh shoot coming out. Does happen. Does happen. So only, all, only cut out, as Tom said, any <clears throat> dead or dying stuff. Just leave the rest alone, let it grow out, and then sort it out in the autumn. Don't you reckon, Tom? Absolutely, yeah. So that... That's the way forward for your rose, Dennis. Uh, I'm going to have to move on to Sheila. Don't forget that number to call is 0800 4041. That's 0800 4041. Uh, Sheila from Leon C. Hello, Sheila. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I've been helping a friend with her garden. Um, she has got... Um, it is a pear tree. It was intended to be a miniature pear. Um, the actual pear growth, this, this is obviously grafted. The graft, I would say, is about seven foot high this year with pink blossom on. The pear leaf part of the tree, which is only about four and a half, five foot high, um, is, it's had its white blossom. It's never fruited. And I don't believe that this pear tree was probably bought from any reputable. No, um, the, it does. It could. It could have been from reputable people just as easily as non-reputable. So we yeah, won't I go there on that one. But, hang on, but, hang on. But your no, my friend, I doubt if that was the case. 
anyway. That's what I mean. The re- um, but it's what to do with it because right. The, the problem. The problem. Hang on. The problem with your tree. The reason it isn't fruiting and it's not able to get the energy back into the pear itself is because you've got the graft which is growing. So you've got to remove the growth from below the graft, haven't you, Tom? Yeah, the, which those, is pink flowers. The, those uh, they're sort of suckers, they're really. Suckers. They they need to be right. cut out as well. They, you, you'll always probably have to do this uh, on that plant. But if you just keep that cut out, all the energy right. goes into the the best part, which, which is, is the, the pear, pear variety. Right. Um, so that's one thing. The other one is uh, they often need another pear tree that's flowering roughly at the same time okay. so, for good pollination. So right. it's looking around either in that garden or neighbouring gardens if they've got pear yeah. trees and roughly right. are they flowering at the same time. And if they're not, you need another that's pear probably tree. why you're not getting so, so many, um, well, any fruit at all really, but it's flowering. It, so it that's, looks that's good. like it may have some fruit this year, but can I say the graft is probably 90% of the growth. Get rid of it. Yeah, tree. get rid of it. You Cut it out with a saw take, or take it okay, out. So yeah, I can take all of that out. Yep. Yeah, you can. What that is, it's a, it's a quince actually. That's yeah, which is why it flowers. And the so leaf good. will be slightly different. Yeah. So cut it out, get rid of it. Uh, let's now go to talk to Bob in Dagnum. Bob. Yeah, good morning, both. Um, I see what it is. Um, I've got, um, I've, pl- I've, I've grown tomatoes, uh, tomatoes from seeds, and um, I put them out about a week ago. And I, I was out last night, and I noticed that um, some of the leaves have got sort of black brown dots. I believe it's called septoria fungicide um i wonder if it could be treated and what to treat it with um right so it's just on the leaf you've got yep. spots and these just are growing the these are growing in, in in the garden they're about four to five inches high at the moment and these are tomatoes and you're growing them trying to grow them in the garden at the moment yeah they're, they're little small cherry tomatoes i think that the i don't know that that is the problem i think your problem is weather related because you've had hail a uh, sleet uh how long have they been in the garden only a week so we've yeah. had no frost or nothing here no but you've had sleet snow and hail and yeah. and, and drops in and do, drops you of you rain you don't have to have a frost actually as long if it's there's a cold. drop in temperature so you'd also are the leaves on the plant doing anything else no, they're, they're sort of quite healthy, except for the brown spots that are on them. I just think, I think it's weather-related, Tom. I really do. You can't expect a tomato to survive very well outside at the moment, can you? Not at re- all. No, not really, no. What do you reckon? I think it's just weather-related, Bob. I think you're too early, mate, in putting right. them out. Um, I just wouldn't expect it to to put up with that extreme fluctuation in temperatures and i think it's been damaged by possibly a bit of hail or a bit of heavy rain okay, uh, do you think they pick up um will they pick up i think they mm. how tall are they at the moment about five inches right so have you got anything you can put over them to protect them because well, that will that will improve them like a, like a little mini cloche or um okay. horticultural fleece at night uh, because otherwise you're still going to get some, I think, some problems with the growth on those. Because right. really, I wouldn't put those out until at least the end of May. No. Oh, okay. It's end of May. You should really put them out. End of May. Fine. And okay, Bob. Okay. Get, pop fine. out. Pop out and get some more as well, and then plant those as well, and that's a good way of sorting that one out, I think. Back to your gardening question in a moment, but right now on the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast, we've got some top tips on things you could be getting on with in the garden this week. Tom, what you got for us? Well, after this weather we've been having, which has been blowy, windy, hail, a little bit of snow, actually. Um, and rain. And they didn't miss out the that, rain. That rain that we had the other that day. That was good rain. It's, well, it's, it's very good for the garden. It's also knocked around the plants, particularly the herbaceous perennials and uh, you know things like the peonies where the their heads are full and their, he- their heads of aquilegia are sort of toppling around check the supports check ties uh, if you have link stakes around herbaceous perennials make sure they're upright and they've not been flattened by that uh, harsh weather uh, and if you haven't put supports in I would suggest you do so so if you've got any brushwood so old prunings other than willow and dogwood then push those in around the plant or use canes or pea sticks or split canes just
just to keep the plant upright the way you possibly can. As simple as that. Absolutely, but I'm afraid on the downside. Oh, he's got the downside. We have to watch out for because it's out already. The box tree caterpillar. Uh, it's already uh, showing up in a number of uh, boxus plants. The box plant. It has a vivid green uh, body with a with a slight blackened line running along its top and a darkish head. And they munch through the plant. But interestingly enough, they glue leaves around them. So actually, when you come to control them, particularly with a pesticide it's uh, quite difficult it's quite challenging and in fact picking off there's just too many of them sometimes to pick off but it's worth picking off or use something like the pyrethroid or delta contact types that and spray good. them on um, but the problem is they have up to three generations a year so look now look in june look in july and do practice some good hygiene clean around the base of the plant it's really important hopefully you might have less of it in years to come. But it's a new pest, relatively new pest. Thanks very much, Tom. The Gardening Hour podcast on BBC Essex with Ken Crowther. Jeff in Ipswich. Hello, Jeff. Hello, Ken. Uh, Ken, approximately six weeks ago, I had a healthy mulberry tree in my garden. Lovely. And uh, had buds on it, etc. Uh, I've returned back from Australia this week, six weeks later, to find that the, at the bottom there is some growth of new leaf. And it looks like maybe they've been affected with a frost. Would it be? Right. Firstly, is it an established one? Uh, it's a one-year-old, one first year in the ground. A, right, it's a first year in the, first year in the ground. Yep, yeah, OK. Tom, what do you reckon? Because I mean, a lot of new growth came earlier this year, didn't yeah, it? Yeah, and I think it was quite lush and sappy, and then we had a drop in temperature. Yep. I think it's probably uh, frosted and weather-related. Um, and I think as you go into May, uh, hopefully, hopefully it's all going to be better. Uh, but certainly... That's what you've got there. I think you've just got frosted damage. Now, sometimes if you then cut that back now... You'll get yeah. new growth. Uh, you'll get new growth. And if we've suddenly got that drop in temperature again, that new growth also gets frosted. So leave well alone. So I'd leave it for a little while. See where... Until the end of growth, the month. And, and see where your new growth comes from, Jeff. Yeah, OK. Just a quick word on something else. Um, I know you're familiar with Tasmania because you've been there. Uh, Peter Cundall did his last uh, ABC broadcast last week, 90 years old now. Is he really? I bumped yeah. into him at Chelsea once, Peter. Yeah. Um, yeah, a f well, a few years ago. Yeah. I had a quick chat with Peter. Yeah. Bit of a lad. Anyway, oh, can I ask one quick question? Certainly. Can my, how can my wife get rid of leaf eaters? Leaf eaters? Yeah, the little greeny bug things that seem to thrive on leaves. What are they eating, though? Uh, what, oh, what, what, are they, the, what are shape are those leaf eaters? Like little armoured beetle things. Yep, shield bugs. Ah, uh, and then they sort of flattened and look like a shield. Yeah, they do. And when shield bugs. There's horrible. a. It's, yeah, it could could be green shield bug. Um, we don't actually try and kill them, do we're we? We're not really we? overly worried by those. I mean, they will cause some. Uh, they could cause some distortion on the leaf where they've been eating, but we tend to class them more as a, as a minor pest. So you could sort of, if you literally just move the plant, they'll move off the plant. Um, so I wouldn't overly worry about those. Right, OK, many thanks for your help today. All the better, you know what? You can't have holidays, you see, because your gardens go wrong. Isn't that right, Jeff? Oh, I don't know, six weeks in Australia is worth having. <laughs> All the very best, Jeff, and thanks for your call. Thank you. um, now let's go to Veronica. Hello, Veronica. Oh, hello. Um, I've got some strawberries growing in my greenhouse, and yeah. they're, um, this is the second season, and they're starting to ripen, but I want to know if I should feed them any more. What, the, the, the fruits are just starting to ripen? Yes, they are. Yep. They're in pots. I've got two different varieties, one slightly later than the other, but they're both <clears> starting to sort of ripen. Yeah, I'd still no. I'd yeah, still feed. feed. We do a regular trial at the college. Um, uh, we do some deep trough uh, strawberries. We've got Elsander in full fruit. We've been eating them and lovely at the moment. Uh, we use it also a trial to sort of test out different products on pests. Uh, but they're regularly feeding through the liquid feeding. So you could use something like tomato food. Yeah, It'd be absolutely fine. Do. Yep. Yeah, that's what I have been feeding them with. The other thing is, I did notice there were a few ants around them. Although I've had ant powder around the outside of the greenhouse, 
it's been washed away at the moment. But there's, but but there's no aphid. Well, there's no aphid on the. Normally, there might be a bit of aphid around on your strawberries. Any aphid on the strawberries? Um, I can't see any. No. No, it's fine. I know. Right, I know some I've got. I've got aphid on them. So. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't overly worry. No, don't worry. Right, and do I keep feeding every couple of weeks then? Depends on your tomato feed because those products are slightly different. So read the so instructions. Just check on the back and it'll talk to you about, not talk to you, <laughs> read it and uh, it'll either tell you whether it's every other watering or every so many days. Okay, let's uh, just, I'm going to jump back actually to one here that we, we were talking about red robins, weren't we? Yes. Have we talked red yep. robins and pruning, you yes. said? Yes, yeah. Yeah, and it says here, I thought the RHS advises prune late autumn or early spring. Can you explain where to cut the branch? Bit confused. Now, the reason they're saying that is to get the new red growth. But this one that we were talking about on air was a very large bush that was spindly, wasn't it? It was top heavy, wasn't top it? Top heavy. So it's to bring so it's it a down. Different, it's a different ball game yeah. from what what the RHS are advising, isn't it? Yeah. They're talking about regular pruning, aren't they? Yes. And actually, if you wanted to renovate one, it got absolutely out of control. I do those in the winter. So, but you advise to take it down the end of the month. You say it's a little yeah, bit Yeah, I think because it's, because you are... That's why oh, the confusion, yeah. you see, Because saying, you're only, you're sort of shaping it, really. You're just yeah. reducing it a bit, but you're shaping it. Um, do that type of normal routine pruning when it's actively growing and the weather's better. So they are. That's hopefully <coughs> um, answered Rob as well, who's been checking what the RHS is saying. So he's checking up on what you're saying, oh. see if you're right. Remember, all gardeners have different opinions on how you do things <laughs> as well. Lynn in Colchester, you found a beetle. What sort yes. of beetle is it? Japanese beetle. A Japanese beetle. Yeah. Now, what's special? I, I'm going to show my ignorance because I don't know what a Japanese beetle is. So, what what is it's a Japanese? About as big. You know, we normally get these May bugs, and they're hard. Yes, cells. yes. It's about as big as that. Yeah. It's all pretty colours. It's metallic blue. Metallic oh, lovely. Um, it's got all loads of different colours in it. Right. Um, but I put on a garden group I'm on. What do I do with it? Is it a friend or foe? Because I found it on a paving slab. No plants in my garden that it would have come to. Okay. And where it's come from, I don't know, because I'm on a walkway that is all block paved. Right. And it's definitely, you're convinced it is a Japanese beetle. Yeah, I took a photo of it. Yeah. And um, I then Googled it, and it's identical. It's a Japanese beetle. So, yeah. in your Google, um, is it doing any harm to the plants? Yes, it will strip. It will strip a bunch of grapes in five minutes. Right. Okay. And um, anything in sight. Right. And what have you done with it? Have you kept him as a pet, or have you? Um... <laughs> I I have got it in the yard. Right. I put a tomato leaf in there to see what. what and it what did it do? It. Did it eat it? Yeah. It has eaten it down to just the scrimmy, you know, bits right. in the middle. So it is a pest that actually strips leaves. Any yes. cure for it then? Uh, one thing you could try and do, because they're fairly slow movers, is hand pick. Yeah. So that's one, one thing. Put them into soapy water. Or crush them. Yeah. Um, Underfoot. They go crunch, don't they? They can do that Like one. vine weevil. Um, there are actually Japanese beetle traps you might better get from your local garden centres or maybe go online. They're not that common, though, are they? No, and they sort of help. Uh, you can use um, contact insecticides. You can use pyrethrin-based products or deltamethrin-based products. I haven't got it. It Sorry? On a plant. Yeah. I've got no plants there. Well, it's, he's, he's wandering about. Oh, right. Well, if it's just wandering around and it's not eating the grapes, then crush it. If you don't crush like it. it. It was just an example of the grapes on Google. They said that it could strip a grapevine. Right. Um, so, what you need to do, what you need to do, Lynn, is crush it. Get rid of this one because if not, it will trundle off into somebody else's garden and then cause havoc with them, which we don't want, do we? So thank you very much, Lynn. It's one to look out for, then, isn't it, Tom? Don't you think? Absolutely. Uh, and from Japanese beetles, we'll go to Graham in Bishop Storford, who's talking about hedges, aren't you, Graham? Yes. Yes. Morning, Ken. Um, we all cut hedges. Uh, one question. The question is, when is the optimum time to do it? Taking into consideration the welfare of the plant and trying to improve it. Right. What hedges is it? Did you say? 
All, all I've got is an, is an old hawthorn hedge down the bottom of the garden. And, right, well, it, at the moment, you don't cut hedges because nesting birds. Fair enough, I accept that. You can check the hedge for nesting birds, and if they're not there, you could I prune. Would prune. It. Yeah. yeah. So what you want to know is, well, it depends on the state of the hedge, whether it's an old hedge, a new hedge, or a medium hedge. Yeah, it's, it's, it's an old hedge. Um, it's, it's probably 50 or 60 years old. Right. I've, I've cut it to five feet. And that's, it, it's, it's the border between us and, and, and a school, in fact. Um, I'm quite happy with the hedge, but, uh, but I just thought to myself, you know, we blindly go out and cut the thing. Um, at what stage of the growth should we do it? Well, I've, I've trimmed the top. I've got it level again this year, but I thought, well, I'll leave, I'll leave the sides of it sometime and, and, then, and then trim them off. Well, that sort, of, that sort of pruning where you're reducing the top, uh, maybe to bring it a bit more under control, you can do in the winter period. Uh, yeah. You will lose some flower because um, it's forming its flower um, yeah. on the end of last year's growth. Yeah. Um, and if you've already got that shape and you're just looking at routine pruning, then after flowering, uh, you might want to do some light pruning. It depends what you want from your hedge, really. I mean, do you want it buried? Yeah. Do you want the well, berry for the birds? The, the, or The plant produces flowers throughout. Uh, so actually, if you just shape it, then really, what are we talking about? May, so the May plant, which is the Crataegus, uh, June, coming in towards the end of May, June, it was finished flowering. So June yeah. onwards. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Fine. All right. Yeah, that's fine. Thanks very much. And the other thing that, Graham, people forget with hedges is, I'll tell you what, a bit of old Growmore thrown under the hedge will do it a power of good. It does help to feed. All right, Abs fair enough. Yeah. Absolutely, and people yes, never yeah. feed yeah. hedges. Yeah. They yeah. forget about them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, well, well, we'll do that as well. OK, Graham, thank you very much for your call. Uh, that's Graham in Bishop Storford, and we go now to Malcolm in Great Baddow. Hello, Malcolm. Yeah, good morning. I have a very nice lilac tree. Of course, within a few weeks, there will be flowers will turn into little, little brown bits. I then usually hedge trim it, um, clip it back back as far as I can. But I actually want to cut it down because it's getting too tall. Right. Can I do that now, or is it best to well, do it in the winter? Uh, can I firstly say that um, you should never prune shrubs just with a hedge trimmer. Because actually what you're doing really, is... It's not a shrub, it's a tree. It's about... You still shouldn't. Trees are pruned. They're not trimmed. They're pruned. So you will be better to prune it with secateurs and maybe some loppers rather than a hedge trimmer. Um, I'm afraid modern gardeners think that hedge trimmers are the answer to everything, but they're not. And you don't get the best from your plant if you use hedge trimmers on all the plants. Now, when would you cut it back and how much, Tom? So, yeah, after, after flowering, um, you could be quite severe then and cut it down. Um, and, and if you, how, how much do you want to bring it down by? Well, for the last 30 years, all I've ever done is, is trimmed it back with hedge trimmers. It's been absolutely fine. No, but you're and, saying and you want to... It's the height, it's the height I want to bring yes, it down. Yes, so, so how high... You want to take a couple of foot off? Absolutely fine. Straight after flowering, you can do that. Okay. Um, so that's going to be. Is it just coming into bloom now? Well, no, it's been out the last week or so. And it, obviously, when they last till about the end of May, then all you get is a little shriveled up brown. That's right. That's it. You so get, I know, the... that's what I've been in the past. I've just been trimming them all off and leaving it. And of course, I know what Ken just said, but it's been absolutely fine for, for years. It grows nice and thick and bushy. Well, I would, I would actually come in, come into June, and I would actually take it down by the height you want. I mean, they can they can take a lot actually, lilacs, in terms of reducing them. So if you want to take a couple of foot off, you could be take half go, off. Go for you? that, and and just try and cut it to an outward facing stem or shoot, yeah. so you direct that growth out. But that'd be perfectly okay. fine in June. Okay, great. Yeah, thanks for your information. Thank you, you, Malcolm. We'll be back to your calls, texts, and emails very shortly. But let's take a final look at the top tips that Tom has for us this week. Well, I've got to say, the spring display from all those bulbs, daffodils, tulips. In fact, tulips are still in flower, but daffodils in particular, and actually a lot of the snowdrops and earlier flowering bulbs, have all finished, bar one or two varieties. And it's worth thinking about deadheading those, literally snap off the old flowers 
flower head before it runs to seed. All that energy then basically isn't wasting, goes back into the bulb. And allow your plants to carry on growing. Bear with it. They will look a little bit unsightly, but bear with it for six or seven weeks. And in the meantime, as they are in leaf and beginning to die back, that's also a good time to feed them. Liquid feed for the best results. Uh, and I use something like a tomato feed, uh, dilute to whatever the recommendations are, and water that's best, in. That's isn't it? Yeah. And if you need to move them, actually, it's a good time to move them around, particularly snowdrops. You'll see them still. So split, dig them up, split them, and pop them in all, into all key areas of your garden. I know I went, to a, uh, went along a road the other day, and uh, it was quite interesting. Somebody planted... Um, a hedge there was a new hedge and then they planted single um, single bluebells in between the hedge things and I'm thinking oh, well how long that will take to spread because they seed really thickly they seed they? really quickly actually yeah. uh, a lovely scent actually on, a, on an English bluebell very very good anyway you've got another tip I have yes actually and on the same theme as sort of th feeding really all those evergreens you have it's actually they're looking they're sort of putting on some new growth but they're also a little bit sad and sort of slightly discoloured after going through the winter period it's a great time to liquid feed um, so use a sort of uh, I use a sequestrian base feed an iron base feed on, Works on well. any single evergreen. It doesn't have to be ericaceous. Water it in. And actually, if it's on a drier day, you could even use those products as a foliar feed. But for best results, water in around the base of the plant and then don't forget to heavily mulch over the top of that clean ground to keep the moisture in and keep the weeds at bay. There are some good tips for you. So come on, go out and enjoy your garden. Let's look at some of those events around the county and mainly their open gardens from the National Garden Scheme. Let's start with those, shall we? Leon C, 5 Fairfield Road. I'll give you the postcode a little later on. It's a lovingly kept garden. It has different areas. It's got a koi pond um, surrounded by climbing plants and topiary, lawn with numerous beds filled up. Uh, young birch and maple trees and woodland plants including camellias, rhododendrons and living evergreen arches leading to a magical secret garden. That's as I said, Leon C, SS95RZ, £3.50 admission. Going through to the White Garden, that was on Sunday the 19th of May, sorry. Also on Sunday the 19th of May... Um, we have one in Rayleigh, Langdon Road, 35, £3.50 again. Delightful, and it's a white garden with lots of David Austin roses and unusual perennials. It's got a fernery, it's got, hopefully they won't be out yet. It's a shame, the white hydrangeas, because it's got an interesting area of white hydrangeas. Lots of enclosed box hedging, topiary, and a small back garden is a profusion, it's a sort of cottagey style garden with lots of, perfumes, whites, creams and pastel shades and a new Victorian greenhouse which is worth going to look at. So there are plenty of things going on there and light refreshments. SS6 9HY, the White Garden, Langdon Road, 35 Langdon Road. Last but not least on the National Garden Scheme Gardens, the White House Cottage. In fact, it's number one White House Cottages. Uh, that's in Blue Mill Lane in Wooden Water. So they're spread about Essex for you. Again, Sunday the 19th of May and £3.50. This is in, sort of next to some farmland, very rural, wonderful charm of a sort of serenity about it. It's set in three acres. A lot of it is paddocks, but there's sort of a Victorian cottage and then roses around the porch. And it's got a meandering walkway that takes you through beds, borders, softly planted with a sort of cottagey feel. It's a haven for wildlife, so you never know what you'll see. Dean Harris, a local blacksmith, he's going to have a pop-up forge on site, making and selling metal plant accessories. And that's all on the day. Plants for sale, homemade teas. Where is it? Blue Mill Lane, number one, White House Cottages, CM96LR. An event on for the Billericay Horticultural Society on Monday the 20th of May. At 8pm in St Mary Magdalene Church, High Street, Billericay. I've given a talk there and I know my guest today, Tom Cole, has as well. This talk is on herbs. It's by Susa, 
Asura. And visitors are always welcome. Two pound, that is, refreshments available. So come on, go along and support the Billericay Horticultural Society. Don't forget, you can send your events along to me, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk. Send them along two weeks in advance and I'll get them onto the podcast and get more people along to your events. Send them my mail as well. Ken Crowther, BBC Essex, PO Box 765, Chelmsford CM2, 9XB. Uh, let's go to Maureen. Maureen. Oh, good morning to both of you. What um, would you like to know? Uh, I have a flowering rhododendron in a pot at the moment of diameter 15 inches, depth 14, and then four foot high. But So I feel I'd like to transfer it into a half wooden beer barrel tub diameter 20 and depth 15 inches great fresh ericaceous compost when should i do this after flowering do it after you've flowered is it is flowering at the moment yes it's is it looking good yes yes but it needs it's been in there a long while and it's been restricted for a long while so i would like to transfer it very carefully into another bigger pot straight after flowering and you've got the right compost, see that there's plenty of drainage in the bottom and put it up on bricks or blocks to keep the drainage and free at the bottom. And watering well. And watering very well. We're going to go to Michael in Rochford. Michael. Morning, Ken. What have you Can got you for me? Yes, what you got for us, Michael? Uh, a young uh, pear tree. Yep. A conference pear tree. Uh, we, we dug it, put it in the garden about three weeks ago and now every leaf on the tree has got some form of bug. What would you do? There's not a lot you can do for for those, is it, Tom? It's pear trees. What? The, tell us a bit more about the bugs. Uh, they're they're in a line, and they've gone pink pink colour, uh, pinky brown. What the bugs have? Yes. Well, it's in the leaf. It's in the leaf itself. Oh, and is the leaf curling? Uh, yes. It's starting to yes. What we got we can spray on pears? There's only contacts, aren't there? You've got things like leaf blister mite on a pear, which uh, the leaf basically, there's something within the leaf which causes the leaf to, is it yellowing at all? Are you getting any blackness on the leaf because of the pest? Uh, the leaves are green themselves, but it's just the bugs inside that are turning a different colour. Yeah, there's, there isn't anything you can do no unless spray, you pick off because um, there isn't a spray really suitable for that particular bug. So it's about hygiene and, and uh, sort of looking at cleaning the plant that way. And there is one spray, isn't there, which is um, there is a, garden, a friendly one, isn't there, that you can use on pear trees, but it's again, it's contact only and it'd be difficult to get to. Yeah, but it's within it? the leaf. It it's won't within be the leaf. It won't get it. there, will it? No. no. So, unfortunately, pick them off. Pick the worst ones off, Michael. I'm sorry we haven't got anything better for you there. Um, we're going to go now to Maureen in Hockley. Hello, Maureen. Hello, good morning. Um, I'm talking about a Christmas tree in the middle of yep. May, I'm afraid. Um, <laughs> I bought one at the beginning of December, lovely, thick and bushy, three to four foot high. And I was told at the time it had been dug up, but it had a 70% chance of staying alive. Right. Anyway, I potted it on. It's only ever been outside. And I've looked after it. I've watered it and everything. The last few weeks, it's going brown. Now, OK, the brown means it's probably dead, but the branches are lovely and upright like they should be. And when you run your finger and your thumb along them, even quite hard, you don't get a single spine coming off. So have, is it dead or is it alive? Right. Yeah. Have you got any growth on the on the end end of the tips yeah, at all? Yeah, like little hard knobs on the end. No, know? but are they green at all? Well, I can't really see. I'm partially sighted. I'm right, and because they should have been emerging now as green shoots. I right. think sit tight. And wait to see if you get any more growth. What do you think, Tom? I would, um, yeah, I definitely wouldn't run, right do too many yet. too harshly at the moment. No, Give I it another month to. at least. And by the end of the month... You will know. You will know if should there's I, something... Should I feed it, do you think, no. in the meantime? No, leave it, leave it alone for a moment. I'd only start feeding it if it's coming into leaf. OK. All right. OK, thank you very much. Don't overwater it either, because it won't like too much water. Steve in St Albans, what fungus Hello. are you? What, we got a fungus. So where's this fungus, Steve? 
It's, um, I planted some new perennials last summer, some Echinaceae and Astrantias, and they've died, and I've dug them out, and all around the root and in the soil is like a, a white cotton wool, I can only describe it as. Some sort of white fungus. Does it smell? No. No. But is it crumbly around the roots? Um, it's just like balls of cotton wool, really. And there's nothing within them? It's not thread-like? It is a little bit, yeah. It's like pulling away sort of plasticine. Oh. I was going to think of something else, actually, then. Because yeah. if you've got threads of whites in the soil, particularly if you're using quite a bit of organic matter uh, or leaf mould, that's um, a mycorrhizae. It's a fungus, which is a good thing. And oh, right. it basically is, is beneficial, and there's a link to all plants with this particular like fungus. Well, you could describe it, it might do, actually. It'd be quite a good idea to maybe send an image in. Yeah, send an image to me. Yeah. Uh, on the email, ken.crowther at bbc.co.uk, and I'll have a look. Or you can send an image via um, via the what's it via via your phone as well. Yeah. Okay. Okay. In that situation, I did have in in the same place a perennial flocks. Yeah. Would that would that have caused it? No. I don't believe so. No. 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 I don't think so at all. It'd be worth really seeing an image of that, yeah. actually. Try and send me an image, Steve. Okay, yep. all right, um, thank we'll you. Have, we'll have a look at it for you. Now, Mick in Braintree. Um, what you got around your strawberries, Mick? I'm trying, how do I keep the wood lice off them, Ken? Wood lice, in theory, aren't doing any harm, are they? No. Yeah, they're eating them. When they, when they get red, they start eating them. They get into them, you know? What do you reckon? Pick them off. It's all there's, you, there's nothing you can do for wood lice, and there's nothing you can spray around strawberries anyway. Um, so, you know, nothing we can do there. I think keep, okay, yeah, cheers, keep, keep the base of the plant clear of everything, yeah. I think. Uh, feeding and watering recently planted all Brescia. What would you do? Would you give it any... Do they need liquid feed or anything? Uh, they shouldn't do, really. I mean, Aubrey's is a pretty good uh, sort of alpine plant. And uh, I suppose if you're going to do anything, you could you could actually apply a general purpose feed for the rest of the year. But I wouldn't go along and feed it all the time. No. They are, and that'll establish it. When it's finished flowering, uh, go over with the scissors and cut all the uh, flowers off. Yep. And then it will go, go forward to next year. Let's go back to the phones to Irene from Danbury. Oh, hi there, Ken Tom. Um, I saw a lovely display of, of sumacs to sort of... Um, I think they're called stag's horns or, yep. or something, tree, uh -huh. um, at Hyde Hall with sedums planted underneath. So I've now got my little sumac tree in a, a container, um, but I've been warned they sucker quite aggressively. <laughs> they do indeed. They are the plant that suckers. They're yes. very good. <laughs> so how the heck do I control this little beastie? Uh, keep it in the pot. <laughs> where, where should I not well. <laughs> It is. I know exactly what you're talking about, Hyde Hall. It's such a fabulous display. And they, but they um, come up through your lawn, the paving everywhere, won't they? They can. I mean, we have on a college, actually, in the Centenary Garden. And what we do there is we just pull out suckers or dig out the suckers as and when we right. need to. Because I think it's such a lovely plant. It is a good plant. For its autumn, it's spectacular great, autumn colour. Yeah. Really so does. it's a decision, Irene. You put it somewhere where you know that every sucker that appears is coming from a root yeah. and you go through yeah. it with the spade and chop it out yeah right good oh, i think you'd be okay for a good few years though before oh that yes happens, it see. doesn't happen straight no. away and we go to rosemary and leon c now talking an apple tree in a pot is that right rosemary oh yeah hello kim hi yeah. um i'm out the garden now looking at it um What's... what it is it's the leaves at the end of the each branch they're going all curly and Dried and one lot of them look a little like a, I don't know, white. So, They've gone all white. Um, should I cut them off or spray right. them? Right. They're, br they're brown around the edges. Is that what you're saying? No, no, no. They're just curly. They've not gone brown around the edges. They're just curling up. And is it all the leaves? No, no. Just at the ends of the branches. Oh, weather related. So it's the young leaves. It's, I reckon that's weather related. Yeah. I think it's uh, re uh, fluctuation in temperatures. Um, I, I wouldn't worry at the moment too much. I would have worried, actually, if it was the oldest leaves only curling oh, up or going right. brown. That's fine. So I'm not, gonna, I'm not going the nutritional route now. So it's, I think it's weather-related. I think bet, hold tight, leave it until you get towards the end of the month, and what you can then do is cut out some of those older leaves, uh, some, of the, some of those leaves have been frosted. 
Okay, so don't worry about that at all. Ron from Rittle, Jace, uh, Japanese Acer. That's right. And what would yeah. you like to know? I've got a problem with it in that uh, last year and this year as well, the uh, ends of the leaves are turning brown. I just wondered uh, what I'm doing wrong, really. Do you know you're doing nothing wrong? It's exactly no. what uh, we were just <coughs> talking about there, and there's lots of aces are suffering with... Oh. Damage yeah. at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, it's it's a sort of tip burn uh, from uh, cold winds to erratic temperatures. There's not much you can do with that, so I wouldn't go and prune it. Just let it grow through it and enjoy the plants. John from Holbridge, you've got an asparagus question. What is it? I'm going to squeeze you in. Yeah, hi, Tim. Yeah, I've got a very well-established asparagus seed, and this year we seem to have a lot of very fine growth coming through. Yeah, not eatable. Do I leave these to mature or do I cut them off and leave it to the normal time when you would stop cutting? What? So what you're saying is some are, they're more spindly than normal? Yeah, a lot spindly. No, yeah. you've got to still take them still because take if those. not, you'll let them <clears throat> mature too much. No, you'll lose the benefit of them if you don't take them. Right, so that's fine. You leave it until the normal time when you let them go. Absolutely, yes. Yep. And someone's asking about ants in pots. Do, how do you get rid of them? You use an ant killer, basically, don't you? I mean, yeah, it's a bait. It, the ants come in, they pick it up on their hairy legs, they take it back to the nest and they all preen each other. Thanks very much for listening to the BBC Essex Gardening Hour podcast. If you missed any of the answers to the questions we gave, you can download this programme and take it with you on the BBC Sounds app. Don't forget, if you have a gardening question for us, why not give us a call on 0800 111 4041 and be part of the programme every Saturday morning on BBC Essex from 11.